Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance. Worth noting uh, for me to tell you that uh, as we're listening to your voice notes, we've also been watching on television Tabo Pesta's appearance in court with uh, Dr. Nandipama Gudumana. And uh, worth noting that they're sitting next to each other and they are holding hands, but we're not there. <laughs> we have Brian in the studio. Hi, Brian. Hi, KG. I'm How are you? Yep, I'm well. I'm thank your you. Tuesday person. Have you noticed? Yeah, I noticed. Tuesdays, you like to come in because I like to you come in I'm here. And it's, I, good, and it's good to see you. Uh, it's good to yeah. see you. So, I mean, it's Women's Month in yep. South Africa. So, the first week of Women's Month, you want to unpack the importance of financial planning for women. But as always, you're also dealing with a lot of other financial yep. questions. What did you receive okay. this week? Okay, well, well, let me first talk about, you know, this is Women's Month. We celebrate that. Mm -hmm. And one cannot emphasize enough uh, of the critical role that women play in our society and how they are empowered to make a better future for all. We all know that women are natural nurturers and over the years have held the family together and at the same time worked to better the lives of the families. They played a major role in the economies worldwide, as well as in the corporate world, which is still dominated by males. There's also the concept of glass ceilings and women's earning less than their male's counterparts in similar positions, although this has changed in recent years. One also needs to realise that because many females bring up children and have um, disruptions to their career, this does often help cause problems. However, this morning I'm not going to concentrate on the female in South Africa. I'm going to concentrate on why would a woman either need a similar plan or a different plan to their male counterpart. So with your permission, KG, let me go back now 40, 50 years. When my sister was growing up, my father wanted my sister, obviously, to either marry an accountant, doctor, or a lawyer. But over the last 50 years, daughters of parents, they want their children to be doctors, accountants, lawyers, and business, business people. And so... I'm not sure why there's any different financial planning for females. I'm not quite sure Mm. why we focus. I think males and females have two obligations. One is to create peace of mind for their families Mm -hmm. in in the event of premature death, disability, or dreaded disease, and so does the male counterpart. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure why they would want differently. And the second thing is, because of divorce in this country, I think both parties want to create wealth for the family, but in the event of divorce, they need to ensure that they can create wealth for themselves. And let me go also back many, many years. You know, when a company first installed a pension fund, it was a change of employment conditions, and everyone, too, even to this day, if a new company starts and they want to put a pension fund in some months or years later after the employees are in actual employed, everyone has the right to decide whether they want to go on to the pension fund and provident fund. Mm -hmm. And the strange thing is, whenever I did presentations, the females would say, I want to go back and discuss it with the husband. Mm. And then the husband would turn around and say, why do you want to join a pension fund? It's going to take money out of your pocket. Mm. And furthermore, you're not not going to be there for life. You're not going to be thinking about retirement. You're going to have children. You're going to look after your children. Your careers are going to be stalled. And often the female came back and said, my husband says I shouldn't join. And the husband, when they said they want to talk to their wife, they were never going to talk to their wife. It was just fobbing off. So what I'm saying, time have changed. Mm. What females need to understand that in, in, in putting a financial plan, 
What is important is to firstly their marriage regime. Are mm. you married in community of property? Are you married ANC with accrual or without accrual? It's very, very important that you, you understand that. And let me also share with you, um, I've been in, having been in this industry a long time, unfortunately, I've had lots of clients who've died over the years and people who've consulted me about what they must do on the death of a spouse. And most of, I can tell you, I would say 80% of people who've died in, in, that have come into, I've come into contact have been females who share two emotions on the death of their husband. Mm. The first is grief, yeah, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. The second is guilt. And people guilt. Know what, yes, I, I, knew, I knew you'd say that guilt, <laughs> because at the time of mourning and grieving their husband, yeah. they are thinking about money. Yeah. Who is going to pay the bond? Who's going to give us money to educate our children? How are we going to pay off all our debt? How are we going to live? And that's an uncomfortable feeling when you're grieving that you're actually thinking about money. So the guilt is, why am I thinking about money at this time? And the reason Could it be because they didn't plan rightfully for themselves? No, not only that. They didn't know exactly what their husband had because husbands often keep it close to their chest. They don't share all their financial plans. Financial planning, it must be done by both parties. Both parties must have their own financial plan. Um, and one and, and what is also important is both parties must have their own bank account. It's no point just having a joint bank account. and, and because So the, the, th- the joint bank account must be a third bank account in, uh, in the marriage. Yes, because yeah. what happens is both parties, to fund the cost of living, both yeah, yeah. parties may be working. Both part- And today, more fe- m- many more females are working today. They come back to work after having born children and grown up the children mm. they studying that much longer but there should be three bank accounts bank account for the wife bank account for the husband and then bank account you, for and, the couple and, and couple for the couple to fund and then decide so budgets are important so i, I and then the survey in, but interesting enough the survey in america found that 36% of women never tell the truth about the cost of clothing and makeup and 40% of men never tell their wives the truth about how much they've lost on whatever they may be doing, whether they be gambling, whether they're playing the stock market or anything. It's quite amazing how the, 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 the couples keep keep apart. Okay. Let me uh, ask Brian to pause. I'm going to go to a commercial break. Remember, if you want to ask Brian a question, I think uh, uh, there's already some pivotal stuff that's come out uh, from what he's saying around financial planning for women. 86 0032 or the WhatsApp line 061 410 1023 it's a personal finance Tuesday with uh, Brian Hash and Brian has been unpacking the importance of financial planning for women and uh, will also be dealing with any of your finance questions uh, Brian is chair of Brian Hash Coley and Associates hi Brian you were still talking about uh, <clears throat> uh, at at the event of a death uh, what n- a lot of women tend to deal with uh, when their husbands pass away yeah because they they just don't know 
what the family situation is. The husband hasn't brought them. So as, a, as a, a personal finance coach, do you advise them? Do you say you have to talk about everything openly about yes. the money to each other? I think you need to have a financial plan. I think you need to see the financial plan. And know how I, much I, is in the kitty. I, I need, you need to discuss the financial plan. It doesn't mean you're keeping anything from the husband. The husband must also know your financial plan, what you earn, how you're saving that money. I, I must tell you, it's also important to note that it's, no, it's proven that women do better investing in men because women are more patient mm. and they understand the ups and downs of the markets and they don't panic and psychologically they handle it much better. But males are known to be a little bit more aggressive, take on a little bit more risk and cut their losses when they shouldn't be cutting their losses. So it's a, a proven fact internationally that mm. women certainly are better investors. It's also important for women. I'm glad we're not only good for makeup, uh, buying makeup. Well, it's top like of the list. Well, when you come to divorce, I must tell you, as you know, yeah. the implications, the financial implications of divorce, and just talking about it, when it comes to divorce, my my important thing for a female to know is where are the assets? What are the assets because of your marriage regime? Yeah. Um, and also keep a record, keep a record of everything. Well, that doesn't mean your financial plan is going to be any different. Mm. What you want to do is you're going to have life insurance to protect the family. You're going to have disability if you can't work. Mm -hmm. You're going to have dreaded disease if there's a major illness for you. Mm -hmm. You're going to try, you're going to have, um, you're going to create plans to create long-term wealth for you and the family. Mm -hmm. and, and we're not talking about separately. We're talking about it as a family. But it, it, all the assets can't be in the husband's name and not in the wife's name. Mm. And, and also understand when it comes to divorce, critically, the, what often the big item, and when it becomes now two budgets, no longer one budget, I can tell you, KG, that uh, I, I've done a lot of uh, divorce counseling and, and uh, mediating for Family Life Center over the years. And when I sit with a couple, the very first item on a woman's budget is beauty products. Because it's important for a woman, for her own self-esteem and her own, her own going forward, that she looks good. So it's not an item that, that, that is ignored. It's an important budget item. But one of the big things that women also need to know is, and men need to know, it's not only women, that the pension fund, if you're getting divorced, are you going to do what they call the clean break principle, break and, or you're going to get maintenance? Because ma the maintenance costs are an absolute disaster. Mm. The number of people get maintenance and the maintenance on paid mm -hmm. and to get to the court and the costs involved in it. And that, that, that impacts on the whole family. But a, a, a woman needs to know that on divorce, the pension fund, I always believe in the clean break principle, because what happens is the pension fund can be divided between the husband and wife at that time. That's why I suppose it, it's called clean break. Yes. If you don't do that, <clears throat> you will only receive on your husband's retirement, you will only receive the amount of money that was due to you at date of divorce. You won't achieve, get all the growth. So get that money, don't take it, preserve it, put it into a preservation fund, and then start your own plans. But I'm just making the point, I see so many articles about financial planning for women. I think it's financial planning for all of us. And yeah. there's no difference, in my opinion, to what a woman should be doing. Yeah, there may be some products that, because a woman may be working and then stop, and she may not she may not only be on maternity leave, she may be taking longer leave, and some of those pro products may then need to be suspended. So those are important things they need to consider. Okay, fantastic. So uh, do you now want to deal with the financial questions that you have? Uh, there, there's a question I also have now on WhatsApp. Do you want me to read it yeah, to you? Yeah. 
Okay, hi Brian. I need advice about. Uh, I'm reading as is Brian. I need advice about Finbon. Uh, Finbon stuff that robbed me twice with monthly repayments that they forged my signature, and I can't get in contact with the authorities. They gave me the wrong numbers. I need help. Thanks, Louisa. Louisa, I don't know Finbon is. So what I'll need to do, as I always do when I get asked a question that I don't know the answer, I like to deal with the following the following week. I'll investigate Finn Bonner. That, that doesn't mean I'm going to be, give you anything that's positive, but I'll certainly find out what happened to Finn Bond on your on behalf. Either way, it can be right that yeah. somebody forges your signature and they yeah. steal your, well, your things. Well, well, let me share with you with a client of mine, a client's account. Her husband passed away. She had a bank account in the UK mm. with um, HSBC. I don't mind mentioning it because mm-hmm. they have been absolutely shocking. Mm-hmm. Uh, she went there. She couldn't find the bank account. She went to the banking ombudsman in the UK. They didn't help her very much. She's now established that there was a fraud on her account and all the money, because it was dormant for so many years, all the money has disappeared. Oh my goodness. She's now got lawyers involved. So it's not only in South Africa that these things happen. I mean, I don't need to tell you with with, um, all the the fraud that's going on and all the hacking of accounts. You know, the, the banks, if you've got a bank account, all I'm saying, and you've got money in that bank account, and you haven't been in touch with the bank for a long time or the institution, get in touch, just get a record, make sure it's still in your name that no one has created a fraud. Because sometimes it, if you, when you find out a long time later, she said she's had two frauds on her account. Wow. And then let me just answer a question. Someone phoned me last week about a question they asked about a company called Sun Exchange and they said they'd made an investment in a in a in a, um, in a, in a um, um, what was it? A um, Sorry, solar power business. Yes, yes. yes. And I, said, I think I was here. Yeah. And I said, I don't understand because what do you mean you made an investment? Yeah. Anyway, I contacted Sun Exchange. There was a lady. Her name was Salome. She was very helpful. Mm-hmm. She explained to me that they provide solar and inverters and all the programs together for schools and old age homes and mm-hmm. hospitals. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't have the money. So what they do, Sun Exchange, what they do is they raise money from the public mm-hmm. and then they f- help to fund those projects on behalf of the different institutions. Mm-hmm. And then they, it's a 20-year investment. So the person who asked me and said they'd made an investment needs to realize there is no return of capital. There is a return of income over that period of time. Over the 20 years, you'll get back capital and income. You just need to understand it's a lock-in. It, you may... You, you may put that in an investment portfolio. You know, we talk about bonds, we talk about cash, we talk about equities, we talk about property, and then we talk about alternatives. And Bitcoin probably would be fitting into that alternatives, where you, even pension funds and provident funds may be investing in private equity and venture capital. I think you put that into a what I would call a other type of investment. I don't, I, excuse me, I didn't go more. I just needed to have a little um, just okay. my mouth. I didn't get more information, but other all than I'm, that, other than that, but it seems you know I understand. The only danger is because there was a similar scheme launched some years ago, where individuals were investing to raise money for body corporates who needed to do, to do work, and the body corporates stopped paying, and that's always the danger. If the, if if the organisations who you provide these organisations have provided power to uh, solar and all those other uh, parts of that uh, energy saving, um, that they could stop paying. Okay, it's ten thirty one. Let's go to the news headlines. Luanda Maome is standing by.
Conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch. Making sense of your finance. Indeed we are. It's Tuesday. We're talking finance with uh, Brian Hirsch. And Brian has been unpacking the importance of financial planning for women. And he's also dealing with uh, other financial questions that you sent. If you are coming from Mars and you don't know who Brian Hirsch is, he's the chair of Brian Hirsch, Coley and Associates. You never know. There might be people who come from Mars. Yeah, there are a few. (laughs) Don't they say women come from Mars, men from Venus? (laughs) That book, somebody Sold a, a lot of a, <laughs> sold a lot of copies on just something that lived in his head, yeah. but it's fine. And then you asked me were there any, any other questions this week? Yes, a lot please. of questions came about what they called unclaimed benefits, mm-hmm. and uh, and they said they were having difficulty with that number I've given out. Let me give you let me give you another site, the Financial Sector Conduct Authority, which is known as the FSCA. If you want to go on and find out how you ch- check up, if you've got any unclaimed benefit, go on to that site. It's the FSCA, which stands for the Financial Sector Conduct Authority. And let me make this comment. That comment was made this week that there are 47 billion rands sitting in unclaimed benefits. So if you were working in the 70s, 80s and 90s, uh, and you're still alive and you're getting pensions and you, or you haven't received your pension, go onto the website FSCA. It stands for the Financial Sector Conduct Authority to see and they will guide you uh, on how to tackle this challenge. Yeah. Okay, we've got some voice notes. You ready? You've got your pen or do you want mine? You know, you and the pen. You've got your pen. I'm not touching your pen. Okay, okay. (laughs) Here are your voice notes. Oh, KG, KG, morning KG. KG, can you ask Brian uh, about tax-free investment? At uh, at what age uh, a tax-free account can be workful for 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 a person, and at what age it uh, it is not good to 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 have it. Uh, it's Lazarus here in Tanin. Okay. Yeah, Lazarus. Tax-free investments means, as compared to any other investment. The, the interest earned, so if you're buying an interest product in a tax-free interest, uh, up to you're only allowed to invest 36,000 rand a year. You won't pay tax on the interest, although let's understand that people under the age of 65, taxpayers under the age of 65, don't pay tax on the first 22,800 rands worth of interest. And if you're investing 36,000 and you, let's say you're getting 9%, you're only getting 3,000 rand a year. So you're way b- below the tax-free amounts anyway. If you're looking for growth and you look and you buy shares, uh, if you buy shares yourself or any through a unit trust, you'll pay a dividends tax of 20%, whereas in the tax-free savings, you don't pay uh, any dividends tax. And then on the other end, when you sell out of the tax-free savings, there's no capital gains tax. And if you buy in tax-free savings, if you buy normal investments, there's capital gains tax. So it starts off as soon as I think a tax-free saving is an 
excellent amount for a young child. I've got two for my grandkids, uh, 13 and 11. I put money away every month mm-hmm. into tax-free saving. You're allowed over a lifetime 500,000 rand. So if you build up over 17 years or 16 years, 500,000 rand, and then you're earning tax-free it, it, and, and your children are working, it's quite meaningful because they would normally add that earnings to their taxable income and pay tax. So, But for older people, I'm not sure. People over the age of 70, 75, I'm not sure. They've got enough time uh, to, 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 to benefit from tax-free savings. But there is a benefit from day one. Okay. Here's another voice note for you. Voice note for Brian. Okay, uh, no voice note. Uh, callers, Joel in Cape Town. Hi, Joel. Joel. Hi, K- Hi KD. Hi, KG. How are you, Joel? <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine, thank you. I'm fine, thanks. Morning, Brian. Morning, Joel. Um, yeah, my name is Brian. Morning, Joel. How are you? Yeah. Good. I have a question here. Uh, the former Minister of Finance, Tito Mboeni, had a plan to allow people for... Uh, retirement policy to get access to some part of the fund. Uh, just want to know if uh, the government still considering the that plan. Joel, very much so. First of April, first of March, twenty twenty four. It's coming into effect. It's not coming into the effect that everyone was hoping about. It's called a two pot system. There are going to be three components to that, to, it, although two, two parts to the borrowing. The first part is what they call the vested portion. That's the amount of money that's contributed to a pension fund in total of past contributions and past growth. As at the uh, 28th of February 2024, you will be able to withdraw a maximum of 25,000 rand. Old Mutual put out a note that they're expecting 1 million people to be uh, to be looking for that. The second component is the two-pot system, and that refers to future contributions after the 1st of March 2024. Uh, two, it looks like two-thirds will go into what's called the retirement pot. One-third will be going into a cash pot, and you'll be able to draw from that cash cash pot, it looks like you'll only be able to draw 10% with a minimum of 2,000 Rand per year. Uh, But uh, for those that are contributing, that haven't built up large amounts in their pension and retirement funds, it's not going to be of much benefit. It's going to take a lot longer. But for those who've got built up monies, uh, it it looks like it's coming in. Uh, The National uh, Treasury have announced they're just waiting for final comments. Pension funds have to be, the rules have to be amended. They have to be registered with the FSB. And so, uh, you know, hopefully everyone will be in place by then. But it's coming in on the 1st of March. 2024. Anonymous okay. in, thank you, uh, Joel. I hope you answered. Anonymous in Bumalanga. Hi, Anonymous. Hi, KG. Yes, Anonymous. Okay, KG. Um, I'm one of the callers who is traumatized by tax deduction by SAR. Tax you know? deductions? Yes. Okay. By SAR, by SAR. You know, in 2022, 2021, uh, my, I had to take uh, SARS 54,123. And the reason when I asked was that is because I'm getting two incomes since my husband passed on in July, in July 2020. Mm-hmm. And by then, I was working for the Department of Health. And then in 2021, 22, 
um, I had to pay Sark seventy nine thousand six hundred and ninety three, and then I re- I actually retired uh, in that year, twenty July twenty twenty two. And when I asked them why is it higher than the previous one, I was told that uh, it will always be like that because I'm getting my husband pension as well. So wow. mind you, I'm 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 now a pensioner. My monthly pension is also being taxed. And my husband's pension is also being taxed. I even asked the EP, PPF to increase my, my the monthly tax deduction because I was told it will assist me not to pay this exorbitant amount of tax. So my anxiety is that sooner or later, I will not be able to pay SARS because it seems SARS is taking back the money monthly and annually. Wow. Anonymous, okay. anonymous, because you're anonymous, give me some figures. What is your pension? Monthly. Yeah. Monthly I'm getting, um, it's just, I don't have my payslip, for 14,000, yes, I'm getting 14,000. And your husband? My husband, I was getting 18,000 from my husband, but now I had to ask them to increase okay. the tax. Okay. So it went, it went down to 14,000 as well. Okay, so but gross is eighteen thousand. So let me explain. Let me explain to you because I, it's terrible to hear that you're traumatized. When you were working in twenty one twenty two, what happened was each company that paid the pension deducted tax based on the amount that they were paying you. However, when you pay tax, everything gets lumped up together. Your earnings plus any interest you've earned, plus pension from your husband and pension from yourself. That would have, But you wouldn't have been receiving a pension. Your husband's pension would have been added to your taxable income. So if you were earning, what sort of money were you earning when you were, when you were la- the last year of employment? It, my growth was, was 600 and something. I don't okay, about 50,000 rand a month. So what happened yes. was you were paying tax on 50,000, but when you did your tax return, they added your husband's pension of 18,000, and that pushed it into a new tax bracket. So the insurance company were deducting from the 18,000 a smaller amount of tax, and when they added it to your earnings, you then got taxed on the higher amount, and that's why you paid in. When you retired, your pension was now added to what you'd earned in that year and so on. But going forward, what happened on 32,000, if you've got a pension of 18 plus 14, if they deducting on 32,000 around about, how old are you? 59. Okay, so you're under 65 still. So they deducting, they should be deducting somewhere in the order of around about, I would say, 22 to 24%. As a matter of fact, if you, when I give my number out, if you call me, I'll give it out now, 011-880-4888. I'll repeat that, 011-880-4888. That's for all people who may have questions. But a favor, you have to tell me where you're calling from. You have to give numbers, and you have to tell me what your question is. Because if I phone back and I can't get hold of you, I will then pass on your question to someone in your province. So if you call me anonymous and just put there anonymous or you can put put anonymous stroke your name and phone numbers, I will work out how much tax should be deducted. But I don't think more than around about from 32,000 Rand in total, depending what other investments you've got. Are you earning interest from any other source? No. So did you not take some cash from your pension? I was taking from my pension to pay tax. Okay, but did you not take any cash out of your pension? 
No. Okay. No. So if you give me that figure, I reckon that the total tax on thirty-two thousand, and it won't go up. It won't go up unless the pension goes up, because as you get, you know, each year there's bracket creep. In other words, you get, particularly at this level, you get slightly more benefit. So it shouldn't go up in the future. The past is because of your earnings and the pension added on, where there wasn't enough tax deducted. So I'm, I've, I've spent a little bit more time because this is a question I often get, and I thought maybe our listeners would need to understand that whatever you earn and whatever else you get gets added at the end of the year and then the tax tables are calculated and as we earn more you pay higher tax so you may in all cases have paid a little bit less and that's why SARS would be demanding but going forward call me and I'll do the calculations for you. Okay, thank you so much, Brian. Pleasure, Anonymous. Okay, thank you, Anonymous. Um, You're welcome. Here's some voice notes again for you, Brian. Hi, SAFM. Hello, KG and Mr. Brian there and the listeners. I'm a regular listener from Cape Town. I was working one company which is called Katlejo Security in uh, Velcom. So now they used to, de- they always deduct our taxi, uh, our taxi from our salary. When they give us our payslip, our payslip is full of, it's written, the taxi deducted. But when we go to SARS and ask, they say we owe SARS. So I don't know how do, I, how do we owe SARS, but the money has been deducted to SARS. So that's what I wanted to know. Thank you. Very simply, what happens is anything that's deducted from your salary would probably be that is not incurred in, as an expense in your in the business for you as an individual. In other words, there are deductions individuals can make, but any benefit is considered a fringe benefit. And if Katlacho is deducting that amount and you're paying tax on the lower amount, at the end of the year in your tax return, they would show a fringe benefit for that taxi cost and you would have underpaid tax. So, example, if you're earning 15,000 rand a month and the taxi bill is, a, is a, call it 500 Rand and you've only been taxed on 14500 You've underpaid because of a fringe benefit. Uh, in years gone by, many companies were d- deducting and doing all, 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 all um, creative accounting, but very simply, any deduction as a fringe benefit will add, be added back to your taxable income and you'll be taxed accordingly. That's why uh, you, you're paying uh, SARS of asking for more tax. Okay. Another voice note for Brian? Morning, morning, KG. Uh, could you please check with Brian for me if there is any financial institution, or financial servicing uh, institution that is allowed to charge 100% and more of, it, of interest for giving loans to its clients? And also, if is it allowed for these financial institutions to harass us uh, or like harass clients with SMSs and phone calls to ask them to come and take loans after they've settled their their loans with them. Thank you. That's FinPon for you. Well, okay, FinPon keeps coming that, up, hey? That, that, that is ludicrous. 
a hundred percent interest. I mean, there, there are there's usury rates. There's a maximum that institutions can charge. Uh, I don't know what those maximum rates are. So, as I said to our previous caller, I will check up about Finbond. I'll also check up what is the maximum rates that can be charged in terms of different things. Certainly, I know with um, um, unsecured finance, that's a different story. But, you know, if, if what happens is there is what's called the ad dupla law, which when interest cannot be greater than the loan. And that means if you haven't paid off your loan, let's say you borrowed 50,000, you haven't been paying regularly, when that loan gets back to 100,000 rand, they can no longer charge interest. That is a, a, a concept in law. But I don't know what the maximum rates uh, can be charged by different institutions, whether it can be, I know the bond rate is prime, but you negotiate that. Motor car finance is a different cost. Uh, I know the credit cards have a higher cost and then unsecured finance, but I will get that answer for you. Yeah. And, and I will give you an answer next week. So, you know, before I, you close that FinBond page, I wanted to read you something else about uh, FinBond uh, because it's come up. So, dear, you know, I never do this show without being called Kathy. Dear Kathy, they call me. Could Brian please say something about FinBond? People talk about Steinhoff, but my FinBond share have dropped 97% in value since I bought them in the year 2015. Yet FinBond offers some of the highest rates. Are they robbing Peter to pay Paul. So it's something for you to yeah. consider. I, I can't comment, as, you know. As, I, yeah, but, I'm saying as, yeah. you, as you consider all the but, FinBond questions. But, but let me just say about any institution, if you're being offered in, in, in an investment mm. where the interest rates or the returns are promised to be so much higher, mm. let me give you a warning. Be very, very careful. Today, most banks are offering rates of around about compound rates on deposit accounts of around about 9, 9.5%. And that is compound interest and simple interest around about 12, 12 and a half. So if you get offered a deal that's offering you 20 or 25%, be wary. Yeah. If, if, it's, if, it's, if it's such a good deal, the simple uh, comment is if it's too good to be true, it probably, it probably is. is too good. Yeah. So, but I, I can't comment. I'm not, sorry, I'm not at all talking about Finbon. I'll have to investigate Finbon. And, and then I'll, come back. And come back next Tuesday. Okay. Here's another voice note then for you, Brian. Hi. Good morning, KG. Good morning, Brian. You're speaking to Intumelang in Kimberley. I just have some two questions concerning the will. The first question is, I'd like to have clarity on the charges that will be incurred on my estate when I'm gone, because I intend uh, to lodging uh, my will with an institution. I just want clarity on that. I will also include a family member as co-executor. So what are the charges? I know the 3.5% uh, maximum, and I also know that uh, I have to pay in advance uh, rates and taxes, but uh, I'd like to get more clarity on, on the other charges. Uh, the second one is that uh, I want to, uh, do I have to issue an instruction uh, written on the will that so much must be put aside for the education of my nephews, or can I just leave it to the executors to decide on that? What should I do? Thank you very much. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for your call. The executor has no 
at all discretion. Executor has to full follow the rule. And so if you do not deal with your uh, nephews and their education in the will, the executor will not be able to pay them anything. So what you need to do is you need to put a clause in, and I would imagine you're talking about younger children, so you would create a trust in your will, a testamentary trust. Uh, so you need to make sure that any money going to minors and any bequest you make is, is actually in the will. You can't leave it to the executor. Regarding fees, the maximum fee that can be charged, you've made the comment, 3.5% plus VAT. Uh, and often what I always say, if you point in an institution and there's no m comments made in the will, they will charge 3.5% plus VAT. Uh, I've always said, and in my opinion, um, my son is the executor to my will, and he won't do it. Even we know that now. <laughs> yeah, but he won't do it. He will go to a firm of attorneys or a, a, a trust company. He will ask them. He will negotiate the fee uh, that he thinks is fair and do a deal with the institutional to be a lot lower than 3.5%. And the big advantage is so many often estates are wound up and they take so long and the service one gets from some organizations can be shocking. If, if you appoint a trust company or any institution, the only person that can change that person as an executor is the deceased, so it can't change. Mm. But if you appoint an individual and that individual then goes to the trust company and, and then does a deal with them and they don't do a good job, they can actually fire that institution without going through the master's office. So whilst many people will disagree, I still like the idea of you have you've got you've mentioned another trustee, uh, another executor. Maybe that person should be the executor, and then in that that person will then go to a professional firm because the master may may not appoint them and allow them to be the executor and do those negotiations. That's the only way. Otherwise, the statutory fee for winding up an estate is three and a half percent plus VAT. Okay, here's another voice note. Hi, Brian and the SAFM listeners. Uh, Mr. Brian, I just wanted to find out, in terms of this uh, Provident Fund two-part system, for one to be eligible for the withdrawal, like for over 25,000 Rand, how much would they have invested in? Like, how much would they have had? Because I know it's not everybody that would qualify for that, but is there like a, an amount? Should they be over 100,000 Rand? Should they be over 200,000 Rand? Is there like an amount that one should be on uh, before the withdrawal is, 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 is done next year in March? Or if they don't, then would they be, uh, would they actually fall under only 2,000 rand a year? Uh, what is the amount that one should have to, to make that withdrawal for, for 25,000 rand? Thank you. Uh, thank you for that question. Yeah, it, it looks like. Remember, the 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 bill is still still hasn't been finalised. It should be finalised in within the next two to three months. But it looks like you'd have to to to, to be uh, get the twenty five thousand. You would need two hundred and fifty thousand. It looks like it's ten percent of the current value with a maximum of twenty five thousand. Let's not confuse the two thousand. The two thousand relates to contributions paid after the first of March twenty. 
2024. This is for people who have already got provident funds and are currently contributing. It looks like 10% um, will be allowed up to a maximum of 25,000, which would be 250,000. If you've only got 150, it appears that it will only be 15,000, 10% of 150,000. Hi, Brian. Ramu Tlozi says uh, on WhatsApp. Hi, Brian. Why is it that SARS continues to tax pensioners even when they are no longer working? It's all about the income you earn. And even though when pensioners aren't working, they probably, you, if you, you, up to now, they can deduct something like 27, 28,000 rand from their tax bill. In other words, you're still going to be taxed on your pension, but depending on the size of your pension, so I'm just making the comment, if, you've got, if you're earning around about 150 to 160,000 rand a year and you've got medical expenses and you're over the age of 65, and currently we don't know what's happening with the NHR bill, but currently you've got an allowance, a much larger allowance than those under 65 that you get a rebate from tax. You also get 28,000. About 28,000, I haven't got the exact figure on me, but you also get that as a tax deduction. So at 170, 180,000, your tax bill is around about 28, 30,000, and that will de- you'll get that deduction and you won't pay tax. But anything above that, up to around about 250,000, it's about 18% on the dish- on extra between 180 and 250, and then growing up. So it all depends on because. You remember, you received a tax deduction when you made a contribution to your pension fund. And at the same time, with the, pen, the pension fund funds, monies invested in your half never pay tax. So you've got the deduction going in, and then the, whatever the funds did, however they grew, both the employer contribution and the growth was never taxed, only became taxed at retirement if you draw, drew the one-third cash because you were at retirement, you can draw one third in cash from the pension. The first fifty five hundred and fifty thousand is tax free. The balance has certain tax tables, but pension, and then you draw on the two thirds of pension. That pension is taxable. So your pension is added to your, is your income plus any other investment, your income you've got, interest or or rental that you've received, and then the tax are calculated as on the total that you've earned in that year, less any deductions you may have. Okay. Uh, Speaking of SARS, there's another one now. Morning, uh, KG and Brian. Why does uh, a SARS debt, uh, why is it regarded as a criminal offence, yet it's a debt from the beginning? Anonymous. Anonymous, you know, any <laughs> SARS obviously not paying tax is a criminal offence. Mm-hmm. It's not just a debt of honour or a debt that you're going to pay. A, 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 it's not. It's it's a it's a criminal offence not to pay tax. It's a criminal offence not to pay VAT. It's a criminal offence not to pay CGT and all the different taxes, and that's why it is a criminal offence. Remember one also, but one thing about SARS. So if you owe money to SARS. SARS can go straight to your bank account and take and it. Take the money out of your <laughs> bank account. The banks act as agents on behalf of SARS. Yeah. I think that is iniquitous, but that's the law at the that's moment. That's how it you is. Know, that's how it is. Yeah. Uh, the the last one, um, and I think this relates to you know the FSCA that you spoke about earlier. Uh, it reads, "Good morning, please help." FAC they call it FACSA referred me to the metal industry, but they said I am not in the system. It's Charles and Soweto. No, look, it's not the FA, it's FC, sorry, FSCA, the Financial Sector Conduct Authority. Mm-hmm. 
And you may not be in the system. I mean, not everyone has got a, a, a entitled. Maybe you've received all your benefits. So if you're not in the system, there's very little you can do. Yeah. Well, we're here. Do you want to give away your radio line? I gave it 011-880-4888. Okay. KG, nice to be on the program with you. Nice and to Kathy, be. if you're not well, we wish you well. She will Speedy get better. recovery. She'll be yeah, fine. But nice to be with you, KG. Yeah. Thank you, Brian. It's 11 o'clock. Leander Mom is standing by with the news.